choosing how to respond to when he thinks I'm his wife gets interesting because I, I recognize that it's not his fault. So it's always like, Dad, I'm your daughter. I will message my brother and say, hey, I need your help. Giving that separation. I can't take care of him if I can't take care of myself. Hi, I'm Bobby, a certified caregiving consultant and educator. I was a caregiver for my father-in-law, Roger, for seven years, and I am a frequent presenter at caregiver conferences and webinars. And I'm her husband, Mike, and I'm a certified caregiver advocate and a certified music therapist. And this is Roger That, the podcast dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. Here we focus on the caregiver, offer some practical insights, and share some emotional support. And we might even share a laugh or two because we all know laughter is the best medicine. And don't forget the wine, Mike. Now, you know, honey, I don't forget your wine. Come on now. <laughs> well, that's because I always remind you. Uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so in the past, we've talked a lot that there's a thing called the sandwich generation. You want to talk to our listeners a little bit about what the sandwich generation is? Well, the sandwich generation is a huge demographic of caregivers, of men and women who are raising their children and also caring for a parent or other family member with dementia. It's a group of people that is really important to us because although all caregivers need support, the sandwich generation certainly does. And that brings us to today's guest. She is originally from Kansas City, but now lives in the Ozarks. She works in higher education for diversity and inclusion and cares for her four-year-old son and 77-year-old father who has vascular dementia. Please welcome to our show, Miss Ashley Rains. Welcome, Ashley. Welcome, Ashley. Hi, good morning. Thanks for having me. Now, you certainly have a great deal on your plate. <laughs> and what I'd like you to do is kind of walk us through what your day looks like. You, you're working, you're a mom, you're a caregiver. My days are interesting, <laughs> to say the least. Um, so I have been blessed um, to work remotely. So I've been able to work from home um, since March. Um, and that has been just, I'm so grateful for that. So basically my day, um, is I get up early in the morning. Um, I stay at my father's house at night. Um, he needs care throughout the night. Um, a lot of dementia patients, um, have issues in the night, um, including my father. So I stay with him at night. Um, I get up in the morning, I go to my house, um, where I spend some time with my husband and my son. Um, my husband then goes to work. I take my son back to my dad's house. Um, and I work, um, I start working at my dad's house um, with my son and care for my dad. Um, Zoom meetings get very interesting um, when I have, <laughs> yes, I have got a four-year-old um, who needs mommy's attention, who wants to play. And I have a 77-year-old who needs his daughter's attention. Um, and um, I, I don't know. I can't. Sometimes I can't di differentiate between who needs more attention, in a sense, because I've got my dad yelling for, you know, one day he spent 30 minutes yelling on the couch for me to bring him a blanket when he's more than capable of doing it himself um, while I'm in the middle of a meeting. <laughs> 
and um, or you know needing help turning on the washing machine in the middle of a meeting. It's he always needs my attention when I'm in the middle of a meeting. I don't know how he knows, but he does. Um, and then I work um, usually sometime throughout the day. I kind of reach my limit, and so my my brother, thank goodness, he lives just down the road. He comes over and takes over with my dad. And um, I usually bring my son over to my mom's and they kind of uh, play with him for a little bit and I can actually focus on work. Um, and then um, I go home with my son and have family time with my husband uh, while my brother, again, still cares for my dad. And then I come back to my dad's, just me, and spend the night and then start all over again the next day. So, Ashley, I have a, I have a question for you. So mm-hmm. our... Uh, son's mother-in-law had some dementia issues and our granddaughter was kind of intuitive. I guess she was about maybe she was a little bit older than your son. Does he have any type of concept about grandpa? Yes. Okay. Could you talk about that a little? Yes. At first I talked to him about grandpa was sick. Um. You know, I, it's so amazing to think about what little kids comprehend. Um, and I, I, I think that he's, um, a lot more emotionally intuitive than a lot of four-year-olds. Um, I'm super emotional and sensitive. So I kind of think he's picked up a lot on that. Um, I'm not sure how beneficial that will be for him (laughs) in the future, but, um, he, so first it started with just grandpa is sick. Um, and then, um, as the vascular dementia rapidly declined, um, grandpa would stop. He doesn't listen. Um, his comprehension ability is very limited. Um, he would get severely agitated and paranoid. Um, and so my son would pick up on some of the language that I would use, like, Grandpa, you need to listen to mommy. <laughs> she says you don't need to drive <laughs> or whatever the situation was, because he understood that Grandpa cannot drive anymore. He also <laughs> started um, talking about power of attorney. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah. I had to stop using that. I just refer to it as POA now because I didn't want my dad to get, you know, aggravated or paranoid with that phrase. (laughs) Um, And, uh, but that was always entertaining. Um, He's very intuitive and understanding that grandpa doesn't always remember things that grandpa doesn't always understand things. Um, He doesn't quite grasp what dementia means. um, But but he's getting there and um, it's, it's been impressive. Um, his patience is better than mine for sure. Um, and he'll, <laughs> he'll look at me and say, mommy, stop being so frustrated. Or he, I mean, I'm, I know I'm biased because he is my child, but he just <laughs> blows my mind sometimes. I'm just like, wow, like, thank you, buddy, for putting me in check right now. Cause it's so hard. You get kind of sucked into this world and um, you just need a little one to remind you, oh yeah, there are other things happening right now and I need to just take a step back. So, well, he's a mini caregiver's caregiver. He absolutely is. 
He All absolutely right. is. If I don't hear my dad, like if I'm engrossed in a spreadsheet or whatever, my son will come and grab my hand and say, mommy, grandpa needs your help. And that that's really good. I Incontinence is becoming an issue with my dad. And so typically um, does. Yes. Um, and so, you know, being, I was concerned about how my son would respond to those moments, but he just, he lets me know my, uh, you know, my dad needs assistance. And then he doesn't say anything else. Just grandpa needs your help. And, you know, there's none of this typical reaction I would expect from a four-year-old. Um, he just, he handles it with such maturity. Um, it just impresses me. Well, he has an impressive mom. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> um, now you've mentioned that your your dad has vascular dementia, and that's one of the dementias that don't get nearly as much attention as Alzheimer's and even Lewy body. And some people aren't even aware that there's a vascular dementia. Was it caused by a stroke? Do you know? And can you talk a little bit about what you first saw that indicated he might have? A dementia so um he did he did have a stroke an mri shows that it is in his front temporal lobe that has significantly impacted his ability to make decisions um his he has extremely poor judgment um there is no critical thinking ability whatsoever he has no ability to problem solve anymore um so just the the most simple things cause those catastrophic reactions. And I, I didn't understand that at first, um, you know, like just not being able to find a piece of paper with a note on it, you know, that would result in like what, what to me looked like a, like a meltdown that like my four-year-old would have, you know, if I told him no about something, but here my 77 year old dad is having this meltdown because um, he can't find his sunglasses or his hat um, or things like that, you know, and then it, it, a little bit later on in those stages, it led to, well, somebody took it, somebody broke into the house yeah. and took it. And then he began hiding things. He got very creative and where he hid things. Um, so that was interesting. Then it turned into, um, <clears throat> you know, everybody was stealing his money and then he had targets about who was stealing his money. And there for a while, I was that target regularly. I, I was stealing his money and he told he, one day I, I wasn't there. It was before he needed more supervision and he called everybody on his phone list, which is, you know, 12 people or whatever, but told them that I had stolen all of his money that I left him. <laughs> I left him and stole all of his money and all of his things. Um, and, and so I got many phone calls that day and text messages saying, what is going on with your dad? And so I would explain what happened. He also frequently thinks I'm his wife, which gets extremely uncomfortable. Um, he hates my husband, um, especially when he thinks I'm his wife, that, that poses a lot of challenges for us, you know, choosing how to respond to when he thinks I'm his wife, it gets interesting because I, I recognize that is it's not his fault. So it's always like this dad, I'm your daughter. And, and, and I, I say those words frequently. I refer to myself as his daughter, but he frequently gets like, that doesn't register in his mind. And so at some point um, I will message my brother and say, Hey, I need your help. And my brother will come over and I will just remove myself for a little bit, just giving that separation. Um, 
Cause it just, it, you know, I can't take care of him if I can't take care of myself and I have to feel comfortable around him to be able to do that. Right. And what's, what can be happening there is the word daughter and the word wife may mean the same thing to him mm-hmm. where he is now. And when you're talking about frontal lobe impact, it's classic, the descriptions that, you know, what, what you're telling us are, are happening with your dad. Um, as I heard you talk about these things, I was wondering how you were keeping yourself safe. And, and it sounds like you're doing exactly the right thing, removing yourself um, from his sight at that point in time. And I'm very happy that you have the support of your brother because she's got so much on her shoulders. And it sounds like you you and your brother have a very healthy caregiver support what you're doing. Um, do you have any, I hate to use the word disagreement, but I don't have a better word in my vocabulary about care or what should happen or what the next step should be? Uh, any of those type of discussions, do those happen with your brother? <laughs> so my brother is actually, um, I'm my dad's only child. My brother um, is actually my dad's stepson or ex-stepson uh when my dad and my mom were married um and my parents have been divorced for over 20 years now um so that goes to show you how incredible my brother actually is um he sure does and yes he comes over and helps this man you know his ex-stepdad um and uh so he I am so grateful for him because I cannot do this without him. And I know that. And I tell him that, um, now there have been some struggles. Um, my dad also has, um, alcohol related dementia so that the, you know, all of the medical team has been adamant that he not drink alcohol. I I don't drink alcohol. So that isn't an issue for me. Um, my brother, however, likes to, um, partake in alcohol and, um, feels that alcohol at times will, um, chill my dad out because if he gets agitated, um, you know, there's, he has no ability, um, to stop himself, um, that his judgment is so impaired. He has no impulse control. So if he gets agitated, it just spirals. And even if he doesn't want to do something, it's like, he still can't control himself. Um, like, uh, a two-year-old, you know, having a fit, even if you give them what they want, that fit will still continue because there's no ability to control it. Um, and so that, that's what happens. So my brother frequently thinks that, um, you know, a beer will not hinder that. Um, even though I've had the medical team adamantly communicate that alcohol is bad. So that has been an issue. Um, you know, I was going to ask you about that. What would be the drink of choice? And since you said beer, I mean, there's mm-hmm. the things like the um, odols or things like that, where it could right. be put in a glass and it looks like a beer. It tastes like a beer, but dad doesn't know the difference. Actually, that's a really good suggestion. It, it allows my dad to feel like he has control exactly. to make that decision. Exactly. Um, his, his reading comprehension is not there. So I think it wouldn't even have to be put in a glass. He could just have a can. There are days where he just demands that I stop and get him a a six pack. And I'm just like, and it's always in the middle of a meeting. (laughs) 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 And 
I, I refuse to purchase it. You know, uh, I will not buy him alcohol. I will not provide that because I follow the medical team's advice. Right. You know, they, they know what is best for him and alcohol related dementia. It means you should not be drinking it Correct. anymore. Um, but yeah, that so, might, that might uh, get you over the hump with a little bit of appeasement. Now you mentioned that yes. your dad hates your husband in part because he sees him as a rival. Um, How's your husband doing with all of this? My husband is a saint. Um, he is incredible. Me too, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, at first, before we really understood what we were getting into, it was really, really difficult. Um, it's hard to understand, you know, what is dementia and what is him. Um, and now that we've got an official diagnosis, um, he was diagnosed in August. All of this caregiving really started taking place in June. So for those first two months, it was really difficult for us to comprehend um, what is dementia? What is just dad? How do we know the difference? How do we handle all of this? Um, but once the diagnosis came about and we did our research, educating ourselves, it became a little easier. Um, and now that there's been a rapid decline um, with my dad. And since that's happened, my husband at times, and when my dad is in the right mood, um, he can come to the house with my dad and, and we can spend time there as a family, you know, it, but there are times where we recognize that dad is struggling that day. And so my husband will leave and that's hard. I mean, it's hard on us. We miss all of our time together. You know, we are sure. the couple that does everything together. Um, that's how we've always been. Um, so this is hard. Um, but he he is a, my biggest cheerleader. He's extremely supportive. He is very protective of me. Um, and I think that's been the one of our biggest challenges is finding the balance of protecting his wife, but also recognizing that his father-in-law is ill um, and sometimes that creates issues where uh, I don't always feel safe. And, you know, my mental health has had a toll from caregiver fatigue, um, to say the least. But he's, he's a champ. I mean, he just, he just goes with the flow um, and tells me, you know, do what I need to do. Now, sometimes there's conversations of, okay, I have to leave now. And his, I don't want you to leave now. And the, you know, a little bit of the guilt trip that comes on there. And, um, but then, you know, he'll look at me and say, I'm sorry, I don't mean to make you feel guilty. You got to go take care of your dad. It's important. And, you know, it, well, we you know, at work. the, at the opening of the show, when I was, you know, introducing myself, I said that I lead a caregiver support group and with COVID it, it's a zoom meeting. And I would love to invite you to take part in that and, you know, get some support from other people who know exactly what this is. You know, frequently in the caregiving world, we hear people say, you can't understand it unless you've lived it. And this is a very supportive, welcoming group of people. Some of them have been with me for like five years um, who recognize that there is no expert in this, but we can help each other. Right. Yes, I would love to join. Send me the info. I absolutely will. And just as simple as somebody else listening to the story and coming up with, well, what about the uh, near beer or the fake beer? 
Right. I mean, you can get those type of things because they're not in the same box as you. Exactly. Their, their minds have a different box. And right. you might come up with some solutions that you never thought of. And you might give some solutions to the other people too, based on your experiences. So mm-hmm. support groups are awesome. Yes. All right. I am in a couple, um, but I want more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need all the help we can get. Exactly. Our situation, yeah. it wasn't alcohol and dementia. It was schizophrenia and dementia. Mm-hmm. And I had some of those same thoughts that you did when he had a psychotic break and, you know, it was saying things and doing things that were so not him. And I wondering, which is the real Roger? Right. The one that he's showing me now or, you know, the one that he hides. Um, and, and that's a dilemma. And But the fact of the matter is, the behavior is what it is, regardless of what the cause. Yes, I completely relate to that. My dad, I'm confident he has PTSD. He is a Vietnam vet. He was wounded. I take that into account as well. Um, and I, you know, he, I feel like he is very much, he embodies that generation of, I can tough through this. Um, and the, he has the stigma of mental health. You know, depression is for sissies, as he would say, you know, therapy is not needed. And so I know he's spent his whole life with untreated depression and anxiety and PTSD. He was absolutely. And so a lot of these behaviors, I just feel have been exaggerated um, with the dementia. And I kind of, you know, a lot of in the beginning, I was like, well, I have no idea what this is. And what's going on? And is, is this PTSD? Is this anxiety? Is this depression? And I think now looking back, I realize that a lot of it is just that catastrophic reaction that happens with dementia. And uh, I wonder, uh, there for a while, I wondered, you know, had he gotten treatment for for anxiety and depression and PTSD? Like maybe things would be different. But once the diagnosis came through with the, with the previous stroke, um, whenever that happened, you know, then I recognized that that it wouldn't have done any good. Well, you mentioned so. PTSD in your in your father. When the caregiving years end, you may very well experience signs of PTSD yourself. I know that I did, and it took a good bit of time for that to for that to pass because you're hyper vigilant. You're always right. watching. Right. You're not sleeping. You're under a great deal of stress. Um, so, and you mentioned self-care being important and, and I love that you did that. And part of that is being in the support groups, um, and knowing that there are people there to help you. I think talking to you today and having this podcast up is going to help a lot of people who are in a situation like yourselves. I hope so. I struggle with always being vocal about being a caregiver because I want to protect my dad's decency the best I can, but at the same time, like I have to express what I'm going through. I want people to understand what this is like. Um, I need my friends to kind of get it because I'm different. And I know that when this is all over and my dad um, reaches the end of his life, I I will not come back and like return to the old me. I I am forever changed by this. Um, And I need people to understand that. No, I'm not as bubbly as I used to be. Um, I'm not as engaged as I used to be. I don't have the time for frivolous issues. Um, you know, my life is consumed with 
caring for my dad and my son and my job. Um, so all these little petty things that bother people just, I, I don't have time for. And, um, so no, I will not be the same. Um, and I think I have probably PTSD now, um, in those first few months of caring for him, um, he was violent and aggressive and it was terrifying for at least two, probably more like three months. I had to get law enforcement involved. Um, he was put on a 96 hour hold. Uh, I installed an extra lock on my bedroom door. You know, I had to take those measures and there were times where like, I just had to take my son and pick him up and, and just walk out the door, um, out of safety. And so at night, if I hear him wake up, like I, I still panic, I still panic out of fear, you know, that some of that aggression will come back. It hasn't, um, but the medical team has said, you know, that the medication he's on may not always work, that he may get more aggressive again, that he may get violent again. And I need to prepare myself for that. So, um, I do see a therapist who helps me with that. And I think when it all, when my dad does pass, when that day does come and I have time to process right. it all time, that's the key thing. Cause right now, you know, right. you're just living it. You don't have time to process it. Like, I think I will have to get probably more involved therapy to kind of work through everything that I've been through. Wow. That was, um, your, your story is, is, is amazing. Um, the, your relationship with your, I guess, stepbrother, uh, in, in a way. Yeah. Um, is awesome. And I, I think that is a big help. And like you said, he's pretty terrific, kind of like me, mm-hmm. or at least the way I think of me. Um, <laughs> 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 uh, good. We got you laughing and smiling. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, Unfortunately, many caregivers don't have support at all that, okay, they're taking care of it. We don't have to worry about it. Wash our hands and go about our business and go about our lives and uh, just leave the caregiver hanging. So it's good that you have at least a little bit of support and it's good that your husband is supportive. And that's, that's awesome. And I can't thank you enough for talking with us today. Your sharing, it, it goes to the heart of what so many caregivers deal with every day. It's, it's, it's raw and it's real. And um, it lets caregivers know that they are not alone in this and other people are doing this. And some of the things that you mentioned will definitely help them maybe accept therapy. Reach out to caregiver support. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for being part of our show. Yes. No, thank you so much for having me. And it um, it just feels good to kind of vent some things out, talk things out. Um, right. And I tell myself every day, I am not alone, even though being a caregiver is lonely. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, so. it is. I actually have I actually have a book called Caregiver You Are Not Alone that that speaks to different situations that caregivers deal with because of that reason because of the feeling of isolation that so many caregivers live with. Well, I will add that to my list. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will check that out. Thank you. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm sure our listeners will get a lot out of our discussion. And um Godspeed. Yes, same to both of you, and thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I saw you taking notes, Mike. 
Well, actually, I really only have one big one, and it was to talk about her son. And as we know from our granddaughter, the kids are just so intuitive, and they just are there and and get it for some reason that's totally unexplainable to us. Well, they have such good, pure hearts, and, and they want to be helpers. They, yeah, uh, <laughs> that's the big one. But um, notice she said that in, in the evening, you know, her dad kind of starts getting getting wound. And I'm thinking, OK, there's the sundowning. And we've talked about sundowning in the past. Yeah. And I'm really impressed with the relationship with her and the brother that he is so willing to help. Um, what, a, what a blessing. What a blessing he is. What a good guy. There are good guys left in the world, right? Besides me. <laughs> well, uh, my notes almost reflected yours, and, and then I wrote a separate note to myself to make sure that I uh, sent her the information on the caregiver support group. Yes. And I look forward to spending more time with Ashley. You can find uh, more information about Ashley on our show website at rogerthat.show. This has been Roger That. I'm Bobby. And I'm Mike. Roger That is produced by Missing Link a media podcast company dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast raising the bar on craft cocktails. Here you meet interesting folks, enjoy boozy banter, and learn how to make craft cocktails from a master. And if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies and all those in between. Find Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe, download, and review the shows as your review helps our show reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company. That's missinglink.company.